Welcome, I'm Porik Sheeran, Head of SME at 3 here in Ireland. And as in every episode in this I in Irish Industry podcast, we'll talk about the challenges and opportunities facing small to mid-sized businesses here in Ireland. Today is a little bit different because we're discussing a community of businesses who probably face more challenges than virtually any other part of the country. I'm talking about the island of Arranmore, five kilometres off the Donegal coast, which until now has had virtually no internet connectivity. I'm joined in studio by two of my colleagues who've been leading Three's work to bring super fast connectivity to island homes and businesses. Technology consultant with Three Business, Stephen Mulligan, and ICT business manager, John O'Sullivan. So lads, thanks very much for coming in today. Hey Park, how's it going? How's it going Park? Right, so the island, Arranmore, five kilometres off the, the Donegal coast. I think we're all lucky enough to have been there. But for people who haven't, Stephen, you might paint a picture. If you can remember your first journey in on the, the famous ferry, what was it like? To say the ferry crossing was interesting uh, is a slight exaggeration. Um, it was wild the day we went over. Uh, the winds were howling, the boat was up and down. But it's a very short crossing. It's only about 10 or 15 minutes, so it's uh, it's exciting but brief. Um, but the, the visuals around you are absolutely stunning. It's the wild Atlantic in, in its truest uh, truest form. Um, and then you arrive into the harbour at uh, at Arranmore Pier uh, to be met by the, the locals there who, from the day we got there, had been super welcoming. Uh, we were brought up to Annie's B&B, um, which is just, uh, you know, uh, it's like going to your mom's house. It's it's tea and sandwiches. Uh, it's it's just care and attention from the minute you get there. Um, the physicals of the place are stunning. It's a, it's a magnificently scenic, really rugged island. If you know Donegal at all, Donegal is kind of barren and wild. Um, uh, Arnmore is quite green and lush, actually. Um, and uh, it's very rugged. They took us over to the far side of the island. Um, so the near side of the island is where most of the population is. And then on the far side, um, there's a magnificent lighthouse. Uh, and then the cliffs are just, you cannot stop taking photographs of them. <laughs> They're just so gorgeous. It's like the cliffs of Moher, um, really, really stunning. And just next stop America, like it's absolutely wild, uh, pure kind of unspoiled Atlantic views. Um, really, really stunning. So it kind of captures you from the minute you get there and you kind of just can't take your eye off it. And I, I kept joking with the land saying you literally can't take a band photograph or an hour more because everywhere you point your camera, it's just stunning. Yeah, there's no doubt it's a, it's a beautiful part of the world. And John, you might share maybe from a, a population, from a business landscape, what, what's the island like today? Well, Park, the, the island itself is the seventh uh, most populated island uh, of the islands in Ireland. Um, that roughly equates about 469-ish people on the island. Um, and while that sounds small, there is approximately 22 to 24 actual businesses on the island itself. Everything from the, the, the one-person artist, Woodcraft Turner, to the co-op, to the health centre, uh, four or five pubs, this hostel, and of course, then you have the schools themselves. They have a secondary school, two national schools, and an INRA as well. So, even though it's quite a small population when it comes to, I suppose, the classifications of villages, the businesses that are there in that one area is actually quite immense. And I suppose that the sad story about Arnmore is the, the emigration. I think the population has gone from, you said, I think it's 460 now, it was 700 maybe as recently yeah. as eight or ten years yeah. ago. So it's it's, yeah. it's emigration, but in, in modern times? Immigration definitely has played a big big part um, of the, I suppose, mass exodus. Back in the 90s, there was approximately 600-odd people on the island. Go back further again, at one stage, I remember one of the islanders saying 
that at the height there was approximately 2,000 people on the island. They're going back a good good long number of years to get to there. But you can see kind of a picture that over time the island has dwindled in, in population size. Um, but then you have the flip side and you see the number of businesses that are there, you know. So when you kind of do the maths, the ratios of business to population, they have a high volume of businesses, even though they have quite a small population. Mm-hmm. You know, we often throw the word community around. I think they really are truly a community up there. And, you know, there are lots of places around Ireland and across the world where you'd see these communities. Um, but I think there's something particular about living on an island in that in that you are cut off from, um, you know, some of the services that we'd all take for granted uh, on a day to day basis. And so, you know, when the weather is bad and the ferries aren't running, they are literally cut off and there's there's nobody going to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, so they kind of have to be that little bit more self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. And I think that possibly leads to what John was describing as that sort of higher density of, of business because there's kind of an entrepreneurial entrepreneurial spirit on mm-hmm. the island to just get it done and get on with it. Yeah. And then the island project itself, what's what's the, the history of that or when did that begin? So myself and John got involved then. We, I think Carl, our boss, came to us in... Probably September last year, yeah, late August, yeah, early yeah. September last year, and said, um, here, lads, we have this top secret project that nobody's allowed to talk about, but uh, would you be interested in working on it? Gave us a kind of a 10-word summary of it, and I think both of us went, yeah, yeah. that sounds deadly. <laughs> <laughs> so just, we immediately kind of went, oh, yeah, let's get involved with that, you know. Mm. Um, and the thing is, you know, John and I would would meet businesses around the country all the time, so we kind of have a a way that we go about approaching projects and the way we do that is to talk first and and understand and listen and design later do you know what i mean so let's understand what the 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 process is behind what's happening on the island let's understand what's happening to them as a people um and go from there so that was kind of the genesis of the project was an initial conversation with seamus and adrian up on the island to say right lads tell us what's going on tell us what you're trying to achieve here and and give us your story mm-hmm. and john in terms of the solution then that was proposed. What's the what is the makeup of that? Well, there's probably in, there's a number of parts to the overall solution for the island. So I suppose that the main the anchor part is the digital hub itself, uh, and then surrounding from there we have uh, rolled out uh, an enhanced coverage solution or business broadband plus uh, for other businesses outside of the main area. So, so when we sat down, we were listening to um, the guys in the community and about well, what are you looking to achieve here. They kind of had two parts. There was one was we want to attract businesses back to the island. And we want to do that because we want families to come back and families was going to be kids and kids was going to be the new future. So that was their main part. But outside of that, they were looking for the other businesses on the island who who also have the basic requirement for a good connectivity to run their business. So it was kind of twofold. And we approached it in a kind of a twofold. We, we spent a good bit of time on the hub itself. Um, and while we were doing that, we were also going out and meeting all the other businesses around the island and listening to them and say, listen, what do you do on a day to day basis? What's important to you uh, and and your customers? Uh, and then I suppose from there, we kind of brought it all together um, assigned project managers, got our implementation teams, we got other partner help and, and treated pretty much as we would any other uh, project for an SME or our enterprise customer. Um, from the hub itself, I mean, it's probably, for me, it's definitely one of those uh, one of those prideful moments of what you managed to achieve in in a building. So, I suppose for those that wouldn't be familiar with the island, if you if you think about that, this building that was chosen was uh, and is the B and B, run by Annie, and 
the room that was chosen to be the digital hub was the old games room where there was a couple of pool tables. Can you think back to your younger days and your summer holidays and the first place you always used to go was to play a game of pool in, in, in the local arcade. And so th- that room became the digital hub. The old ticket office to the ferry became the video conferencing uh, and the boardroom for, for the hub. And from there, we built up around and put in a load of um, different types of solutions. So we started off with, like any good project, you need good connectivity. Um, without connectivity, the rest doesn't really matter. So we were uh, we focused our time on putting good connectivity at the outset. And we gave them a 100 meg wireless link from the hub itself back to Derry Beg. Uh, and from there, then we built in the rest of the network, which consisted of a local area network to connect up to 13 desks that are currently there. Um, we gave them a wireless networking as well as wired networking. We put in um, a full suite of video conferencing and IP telephony. And then to kind of ring fence all of that, we put in a managed firewall solution to protect that business from all the, all the horrors of the world, the data world. Mm-hmm. And that for them now has become that focal point for everything that's going to happen on the island, especially for the diaspora and what they're looking to achieve and people don't want to bring back. To the side of that, we didn't focus on the other businesses and what they needed. And we've rolled out uh, a number of business broadband, business broadband plus units, which is pretty much another way of saying we've took a signal from outdoors, cleaned it up a bit and boosted it indoors because what was there couldn't actually penetrate the building properties. And we've delivered that into one of the schools. We've delivered into the hostel and the co-op, the health centre for the doctor. And he's now enabled for video conferencing for, for telemedicine. And so we started to roll out that across other businesses and we will continue to roll that out across other businesses as the need requires. Okay, great. And the 100 meg connectivity you mentioned, how different was that to what people were used to or had experienced up to this point? I suppose the best way to describe it is up to that point, um, there was little data coverage that would allow a simple email to be sent. And for those that were fortunate enough to maybe have a decent bit of coverage and could send something, they could spend hours trying to upload an attachment. I think uh, Neil Galler from uh, Cape Koala best described it as, and he being an islander himself, that he used to wake up some mornings with dread, uh, wondering was he going to be able to do any work today. And that's probably the best way to describe what was there. To when we were leaving, uh, and we did a lot of testing on the island uh, of what we put in, we now have some of the businesses well able to use anything up to, you know, anywhere between 15 to 40 megs on the upload, which is ample to do a lot of even the heaviest attachments. And they've got great download, anything between 40 to 90 megs on the download. And again, that's dependent slightly on, on your positioning to the main mast where you're on the island geographically, the type of building. But to go from struggle with an email to now have good robust connectivity with good data throughput is light years apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from a business point of view, you have to have that. If you don't have that level of connectivity, you really are hampered as a business. And anybody who runs a business will tell you that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had a, had a conversation this morning with somebody who just, I think the, the words they said was, I just can't deal with two megs anymore. And it's just not enough. It's not good enough. These types of technologies, as we roll them out on our and more, um, are absolutely applicable across the rest of the country as well and can be can 100% be used in other in other locations. If you're listening to this podcast on our Business Learning Centre, you'll find hyperlinks to some of the items being discussed in blue on the player progress bar. You can access this at connected.3.ie forward slash podcast. 
So the solution itself, in terms of how much of that is unique or bespoke to, to Aaron Moore and the whole this whole project, versus if I'm a small business or indeed any size business in Ireland, um, is that available to me in terms of actual the technology being available or affordability? If you think about the various technologies that we've put in to um, the hub and around the around the island, um, there's nothing there that we wouldn't put into other businesses all around the country. Um, from the smallest SME up to the largest enterprise, a wireless lease line is something that we would see fairly regularly. Um, a, a local area network, if you go into any office around the country and you plug your laptop in, you're plugging into a LAN, that's pretty standard. Most businesses nowadays will have wireless within their environment. Again, that's normal. Uh, and then the managed firewall would be, you know, just that you, you need a firewall in your business. So there's nothing unusual about any of those. Um, large and small businesses across the country would use those all the time. Um, I suppose what we did with Aaron Moore was was something kind of particularly special for a number of reasons beyond the technology. Um, we pulled together a lot of different things into that uh, into that project overall because of the nature of the island, because of the nature of what we were doing there. Um, but really the technology is is pretty normal. Um, I suppose what's the newest thing that we've done up there would be the Business Broadband Plus product, which is only just kind of releasing now. It's just about to go commercial launch for us. Um, and that one is unusual because it's a it's a 4G modem that we've seen before and it will be 5G capable in the future. Um, but that sits on the outside of the building. So when you think about a 4G modem, it either plugs into the side of your laptop or sits in your window, which is often a place you see it in people's houses or in business. Um, with the Business Broadband Plus, what it does is it bolts onto the outside of the wall and the modem is built into the little dome unit that sits outside. That picks up the 4G or in future the 5G signal and brings that back in through a shielded cable inside into the uh, premises and then broadcasts that internally. So as an example of, of where that was used, uh, on the island was in the in the local hostel. So um, the hostel owner, when we when we met him, Sebastian originally, uh, he told us that one of his challenges was that when his uh, customers would come to him, uh, they would say, "Oh, Sebastian, this is great. I really love being here, but I can't really stay here any longer because you know I need to update my Instagram and I can't do it because I've no Wi-Fi." You know, it just seems like the most millennial problem ever, but. Uh, I suppose it's real, you know, and people want to be able to share what they're doing on their holidays. And if they feel like they're out of touch, maybe they need to be able to check their emails, whatever. Um, whereas what will happen now is that uh, Sebastian will be able to offer his customers Wi-Fi internally. Um, and what they've told him directly is we will now stay longer because of this. So the technologies are, are kind of agnostic in terms of where they go. Um, it's really about the business benefit and the business requirement that you see. And I suppose the other thing that's important to mention is that this is all scalable stuff. Um, we didn't put anything in there that's going to be out of date in a, in a year's time because we feel like the, the island has a lot of growing to do and we want to be able to support that. Mm -hmm. And you've mentioned some of the benefits or potential benefits, but in terms of feedback to date from some of the, the people or the business and in, in business involved, what's that been like? The feedback has been actually overwhelming. Um, I mean, we've heard some, I suppose, one-liners or statements of, you know, it, this is the this is going to revive uh, the island and the future is looking better. I mean, you you, you realise just kind of how much or how important this is, uh, this is for them, you know. And I suppose, like, I suppose one of the biggest differences in this particular project was the support from the community themselves. They, they were 
absolutely 200% behind us. You know, and, and when we sat down and we started talking about what we were, thought we were going to do here and what we are going to do over there and how we were going to do this, they pretty much were, yeah, okay, that, that sounds great. Uh, they'd offer a bit of input to it, but they supported pretty much everything that we wanted to do, which is great for us because it gave us kind of a blank canvas, but with the support of the people that they trusted that they knew what you were doing and what you were going to deliver was going to help them. It, it was amazing how everybody really took the spirit of the project on board. And yeah, I've never been on a project before where everybody was so focused on the end goal of, of getting us to this point. Now, you know, an end goal in a situation like this is kind of a bit like doing your garden. You know, you're mm. really only starting now. As, as I was leaving the island the last day, I turned to Adrian and I said, and he said, well, that's the, you know, that's the end of it now. And I says, that's only the end of the beginning, you know, because there's so much more to go from here. Um, this is phase one of N, where N is somewhere between two and 20. I don't really know how many phases this will be, um, but we certainly have at least phase two and three uh, in the hopper at the moment. We're looking at uh, Internet of Things solutions, what we call IoT, um, like, for example, where's my lobster pot? So if you've got lobster pots in the sea, um, you know, I've been out on the on the ocean around Ironmore, uh, particularly around the back of the island. It's quite wild. And if you've got lobster pots out there and you don't know where they are, you know, they're gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, a, a simple locating beacon on one of those feeding into our into our wireless network could be a, a huge solution from that point of view. Um, and there's loads of others. I won't even start to get into them now because there's so many um, potential ones that, that, you know, as we start to roll out telemedicine and, you know, uh, lots of other things, digital signage for the ferries, lo- loads of things. Mm-hmm. And to play devil's advocate for a second, were there any dissenting voices? For example, yeah, John, painted- John kept telling us we couldn't do it. And we <laughs> said, no, John, we can't. No, just kidding. Apart from John. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all my fault. But you painted the great physical beauty of the island at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Is there an element that that's been spoiled now? I don't think so. I, I think we, we were very careful and very deliberate in how we built uh, the hub and what we did even from the business broadband plus. I mean, let's if you take the obvious. There's a mast on the island. It's an RTE mast. Uh, that's that's fairly obvious. But there's a load of those around the countryside. So that's 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 what it is. But after that, you'll struggle to see the technology that we've put in place. We've we've really gone to the nth degree to ensure that that it was the Arnmore community and the scenery around that really caught your eye as opposed to the technology. And if we look at, say, into the inside of the hub itself, I mean, there was a lot of effort went into the, the schema, um, the, the the flora uh, that was used, uh, so much so that they brought the outside in to their, into that room itself to make it relaxing. The way that the desks are positioned looks back out over the sea. If we kind of look at the, uh, the the boardroom, as we call it, uh, which used to be the old ticket office for the ferry, we have uh, we've put a 55 inch um, smart board, interactive smart board video conferencing on the wall. Now, you would think that that'll be the first thing that will catch your eye when you walk into the room, but it's not. It's actually the 300 year old driftwood that was commissioned to be the table is the first thing that catches your eye. So we've put huge effort into taking the eye off the technology and making it more about actual island and what it looks like and feels like and I think that probably promotes a better work environment as well and you're getting queries now from companies far and wide who like the idea of being in an area that's tranquil and probably easy on the eye as well as Stephen said for the outset but the technology is there to work mm-hmm. yeah, and when you when you rock in on the ferry you would never know it was there you know the island doesn't look any different to what it did before 
the uh, business broadband plus units that go outside the businesses, you wouldn't tell any difference from them from any other little small antenna you'd see on the outside of a building. Um, the wireless lease line infrastructure looks like a satellite dish, no more than a sky dish on the side of your building. Do you know what I mean? So it's there's nothing unusual or, or um, obtrusive about what we've put in. So we, we very much wanted to do something to um, enhance the island and, and not in any way take away from it or not in any way um, spoil it. Mm-hmm. It was really important to us and we really, really focused on it. Mm-hmm. So I know you guys, good few years, it's fair to say we're all knocking around a bit. Yeah, a few yeah. grey hairs, a few <laughs> less hairs. So I know you've worked on a lot of projects, um, but what strikes me is I've never heard you speak as passionately as you do about this one. Um, what's been your actual personal experience, Stephen? So this year, uh, 2019, I'll be 25 years at this game. I don't think it's unfair to say I've never done a project like this. I mean, I've done as you say, countless projects over the years. In uh, I've worked in Ireland, I've worked in England, I've worked in the United States, I've worked all across the US. Every project I worked on had its own benefits and, and things that were great about it. And you meet lovely customers and you've, you know, you've great successes in terms of projects that you might do. But any project I've worked on to date, you would always feel that the benefits of it are one level removed from what you did. But when you're working on a project where the end goal is can we have more babies created on this island because of technology? And the answer at the end of it is hopefully yes. Then that's unbelievably successful and unbelievably rewarding personally from a from a career point of view. I can't speak for John, but I feel very lucky to be part of it. Yeah, I'm very similar to Steve on that one. I'm 23 years in telecommunications. Jesus and John, you don't look at it. I don't look at it, I sure don't. <laughs> kind light in here. <laughs> And I've been on plenty of projects. I've been involved. I've led plenty of projects. But as projects go, this has been overwhelming in in some cases um, and more from the point of when you hear the stories uh, of the people on the island, what they're looking to achieve. And and back to to Stephen, I think one line I'll never forget is technology for babies. And that's how they're measuring the success here is going to be kids on the island, babies born on the island, which create more families, families, more jobs. And that's their circle of life. And I agree with Stephen. I think if maybe a number of years, if at all, where I might get another opportunity like that to partake in another project. And I, I feel very privileged having worked with a number of people across different functions in three alone who we wouldn't have met even on a day to day basis. And then, of course, the, you know, the, the tireless efforts of the Armour Business Council and, and the community themselves. I mean, they are an unbelievably great bunch of people and they made us feel so welcome from the outset um, but yeah you can't I mean every time I see the video I still get a bit kind of God we've, we've been involved in that we, we've achieved something here and, and I for one would be very interested to see over the years to come will this flourish into what I'm really hoping that it will be and that is more babies more kids more families in the island to really bring it back to life Guys, it's a fantastic story and thanks for telling it so well for us. Unfortunately, time is against us, as is always the, the case in, um, in, in stories like this. So I just want to thank you again, John and, and Stephen, for joining me today and to thank everyone for listening. And we'll see you next time. Cheers. Thanks, thanks a million. Cheers.